Two more goals for John Carlson. Does he even surprise you anymore? Um, no, as I just said tonight, uh, this morning, uh, you know, Johnny Fonard. <laughs> Carlson gains the line. Red shot scores. That's about a perfect shot. The leading candidate for the Norris right now. In by Carlson. Top of the left circle. Across they score. How about wow. the pass? Carlson walks right on in. Bumps it for Carlson. He scores. It's John Carlson ever on fire. Everything he touches turns to gold. Rick White. Carlson takes it. Flies and fires. Scores. What it do, DMV? It is episode 67 of Chirpin' DMV. I hope you just heard that new banger, AB. It's from our guy, Yerd, Colin Gray, though, uh, bringing us a fresh new intro song. Yeah, shout out Colin Gray. The guy makes some dope beats. He's been producing for kind of a while. Um, it's, probably, it's probably been about like four or five years, I think, now. Because he was, what, DJ Knucklehead? Now he's DJ Yerd? Yeah. Um, and he's... One of my longtime friends, I mean, I was, we were best friends, like, back in, like, middle school and high school. Like, we were, pretty much, like, every weekend, it would be me, Congrey, Tommy Tyler, and Drew. Mm-hmm. We'd either go to my house, Drew's house, or Tommy's house, and play, like, Call of Duty till, like, 5 a.m. And then, like, that was in, like, like middle school. And then, like, once we got into high school, then it was, like, playing Call of Duty and sneaking upstairs and getting alcohol and bringing it back down. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he was he was the homie. Yeah, it's good stuff. What we'll do, we'll let it play for a week or two, and then what we'll do is we'll take some some audio clips from interviews and stuff and lay it over like our old one. But yeah, that's it. That's the new intro song. It's a new intro and new outro song to spice up your life a bit. Uh, no interviews these next two weeks. So what we're gonna do today and next week is today we're gonna really gonna break down the Western Conference qualifying round because uh, we like like AB said in our group text, you we could fucking spit on that for an hour and a half, two hours on that alone. So what we do is we'll skip interviews the next two weeks. We'll really break down these qualifying round playoffs. So it'll take us up to the start of the playoffs and then we'll come back with interviews. So AB, let's start here first. Let's get a weekend recap and then we'll get into it. So uh, how was your weekend? Uh, it was pretty solid. Uh, Saturday had like five people over, went out on the boat. Um, my brother-in-law actually told us about this beach, which they've been, uh, my parents have been to before. It's, like, up through Kent Narrows, uh, past the jetty. It's, like, on the left. All right, Peter, the jetty shut down because of coronavirus. Whoops, maybe. We're, yeah, we were going to go see our boys. Here's the night this weekend, but yeah. they were canceled. Um, but we got to this beach, and we were, like, the second boat there anchored down. But then after us, there was probably about, like, I, I want to say seven or eight other boats that anchored down, and then everyone was just chilling in the water, hanging out, because it's, like, it's it's kind of like near my house where it's only like four feet deep, like all the way out. Yeah. And like, honestly, where we anchored in, we were like two feet deep. Like we jumped in and like you hit the floor, like the, the stand, like immediately. And um, so that was fun. And then, like you said, the jetty was closed, which kind of sucked. But uh, we stopped at Fisherman's Inn, grabbed a couple drinks there, uh, headed back to the house, and then went out for like a late night ride later that night and. 
Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, there it is. I think I kept it pretty low key because we have an extended weekend ahead of us here. We're heading out of here tomorrow, Wednesday, for New Hampshire for the lake. Uh, so we'll be buzzing up there for the extended weekend. Yeah, I pretty much just kept it easy, stuck around Arlington. I mean, same shit as always, Friday nights. I usually just go meet Marquise and some of those hockey guys. I think we're with the Alaska Anchorage goalie and a couple other buddies at, at Whitlow's. That's pretty much the Friday night spot. Get up there on the roof, get on the tiki bar, do whatever. And then Saturday, just met up with a friend, hung out a bit, came home by myself, dummied myself on some edibles, and then just kind of had a night just playing uh, gulags and shit. So nothing too crazy, but let's get into it because we've got a lot to cover. We're going to start right here. You heard it at the top of the episode before the new banger, but Johnny Norris, uh, we get the breaking news that Carlson Baby is officially a finalist for the Norris Trophy for the first time in his career. He, lead, he leads all defensemen in scoring with 15 goals and 75 points. Those 75 points are fifth highest total at the position in the last decade. And that's still with him having to miss, what, 11 games because of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. So um, 1.09 points per game is the best by a blue liner since Ray Bork at 1.26 and Sergei Zubov at 1.14 in that 93-94 season. Uh, Carlson would be the franchise's first Norse winner since Rod Langways. Back-to-back victories in 82-83 and 83-84. Mike Green, on the other hand, he finished second for the award twice, 08-09 and 09-10 season. And uh, Carlson, by the way, is a finalist with Yossi and Hedman out of Nashville and Tampa Bay. Uh, I'll say this. Mike Green definitely should have won one of those. Yeah. You had 30 goals. It was 08-09 or 09-10, the 30-goal season. I can't remember which I one. I think it was, was. 10 because that's when we just dummied everybody all year and then lost to the Habs. Yeah. I mean, 30 goals in a season for a defenseman, he doesn't win. That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and it was like, what, like 11 games in a row with one yeah. or something? Yeah. It was insane. Um, and John Carlson, I think I think the, the pandemic may have helped him a little bit because um, he was slowing down a lot and Roman Yossi was kind of catching up a lot. But I think – I mean, there's no way they can't give it to him, right? I don't think you. there's no way you can. I mean, 11 games left, there's a good chance he's a 20-goal scorer. Five yeah. goals in 11 games. Yeah, and he's getting 90-something points on the season. Uh, I believe it's 75. He's at 75? 75, yep. All right, so maybe not. There's only so 11. 15 goals, however many more assists, 45? Yeah. Yeah, 50, so whatever. I don't know. I, he, I think he should win. Uh, Roman Yossi did have a great season, so no disrespect to him. I, and, and we're a little biased, obviously. I think when we did – if anyone wants to go back and check, which I doubt, highly doubt anyone do, does, but in our predictions, either you or KP said John Carlson for Norse. I think it was me because I went – You went all caps. Yeah, I went all caps for everything. I went like TJ Yossi for MVP – um and, so, and maybe kp may have done it as well i'm not 100 percent sure honestly um, well think of how many years he should have been at least a finalist and has gotten snubbed yeah that's why i was just like it's never gonna happen like he just didn't get the recognition and yeah. then this year this, this year is kind of impossible to miss because he was fucking second and third in points for like half the fucking season yeah he was up there even towards the end he was like top five and then yeah, I mean, a lot of people are dumbing around on the internet being like, well, none of, them, none of those guys are defensive. If anybody is, it's Roman Yossi and this, that, and the other. He should be the clear-cut favorite. But you know what? It is what it is. Sorry, they're not taking into defensive stats into the exact Norris Trophy candidates' well, resume. They, I would say they do some years. I mean, if it's close, like plus-minus kind of plays into effect. Block shots will come into effect sometimes. Right. But I just think, I just think his year this, – this was such an incredible year. He was on pace for 100 points at one point um 
And I, I remember saying earlier in the season, because we, we talked about it, we were like, no, nah, I don't – like KP said, I think he can get there, obviously, because that's how KP is with his cast predictions. Like he thinks OV is going to score six goals in these, in these first three games. Right. Um, and he was like, I think, I think John Carlson can do it. I think he can score 100 points this season. I was like, it's going to be – at first I said, no, nah, it's, it's going to be way too hard to do that. But then we get into – I think we were around like – 45 games into the season for like 45 and he was still on pace for a hundred. I was like, Holy fuck. He might actually do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I was like, that was when I like the first 20 games, I was like, nah, he'll slow down. And then like, well, didn't he I, light it up on that West coast road, that California trip? So I don't, he lit it up for the entire first half of the season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I'm thinking of that trip and particularly maybe it's cause he had that highlight real goal on, Johnny Quick, but I want to say he had like maybe three goals in those three games we were out there or something. Yeah, because uh, they were showing some of his highlights, and that you might be right because a lot of those highlights were one was like at, against Dallas in Dallas, it's mm-hmm. LA. One was against like Calgary or something like that. Um, so yeah, he, he was he was tearing it up, um, and we were saying this during the season. Uh, John, he slowed down a little bit, and when he slowed down, the entire Caps team slowed down. Yeah, so. His success is very crucial for the Caps' success. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people are pumped about it. Obviously, the team's pumped about it. I saw there was something on the ice today. They all kind of congratulated him, patted him on the head, all that good stuff. So, yeah, John Carlson up for the Norris. He's got to win. The only cap that's going to be up for an award. Yeah, he's got to win it. I'm thinking if he doesn't, we're going to be pissed. If he does, yeah, we're like, hell yeah. So I'm going we'll to lose my mind if he doesn't win it. Yeah, just give us one. Come on. What's like, the last yeah. time we had an individual award? He was literally having a, a, a historic season. Historic. Well, yeah, just what I said before. Like, nobody scored that many points a game into the position since fucking 93-94 when it was, like, Ray Bork. And, like, we were talking – like I said, the 100-point the thing, like, they were bringing it up. Like, there hasn't been a defenseman since I – don't, I don't remember the last defenseman to do it. I think it was, like, the 80s that scored 100 points. And he was legitimately almost on his way to do it. I mean, obviously, again, he slowed down. But when you still – when you get the entire NHL talking about you like that. Well, he was seemingly getting at least three points a night because he would just low-key have like two assists, three yeah. assists, shit like that. Yeah, on the power play and on breakouts, honestly, because we scored a lot on transition this year, I feel like. Um, I don't know. I just felt like we had a lot of two-on-one goals this year with like Vrana and Oshi and, yeah. and shit like that. And who's giving him that breakout pass? I mean, Carlson's making tape-to-tape passes from the bottom of the dot to like – halfway up to the red line. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's just, it was just like sneaking onto that score sheet every night. So we'll see we think he deserves it un- unbiased and biased. I don't see there how there's any way you can't give it to him. So, Oh, well let's get into training camp. Cause we're a week through. Let's talk about some training camp and some scrimmage notes. Like I said, we're a week through our first part of training camp. Uh, we've seen two full squad scrimmages. So let's kind of take a look at camp as a whole today, Monday, or yesterday, for your listeners, was the first time that Alex Alexiev hit the ice, whereas Samson, Samsonov has yet to um, play yet. So take that as you may, I guess, A.B. Uh, that kind of makes me think he has COVID, and they just haven't said it. Yeah, it kind of makes me think that too. But then you, did you see the thing on Twitter today, the report from the NHL itself, that says – uh, through the first five days of phase three training camps, there have been two positive cases amid a group of 800 plus players. There were 2,618 total tests administered during that time period. 
So two players out of 2,618 have tested positive for coronavirus through the first five days of training camp. Um, Which is also kind of interesting. Would he, you don't want to hear and like speculate, but it's like, why is he not playing? Why would he not be playing? I, I, I kind of think he has – I he's either injured or he has COVID. I mean – Yeah, and how could he be injured? From what? TikToking? Yeah, I don't – yeah. So yeah. I – I don't know. So, like I said, take it as you may, but everybody else has been on the ice. Everybody else has been jumping, buzzing. Uh, we had Daniel Sprong, 23-year-old winger. He he netted two tucks in that first full scrimmage last Saturday. So, there's been some eyes on him. He had, like, a spinorama goal. Uh, reminder, he came over in that trade where we sent Juice uh, to the Ducks and got him in return. He was also – I think he was on the Penguins at one point. I think he was a Penguins prospect, and then they traded him to the Ducks. Uh, I don't – I forget for who at the time and that and then we got him from the ducks um but he's i'm pretty sure he's supposed to be a pretty good prospect and he's 23 years old now so he might be getting close to nhl ready i guess um but yeah i, I mean i've heard the name before and like mm-hmm. i said I, I like he was he was high up on some prospect lists like i think like three or four years ago when he got right, right. and so I'm, I'm pretty excited to see him and see if he cracks the lineup maybe next year um, see what happens with him because that's that's a name that not many people know about and I think I think we should start putting eyes on him yeah like I said if I mean Reardon had a lot to say about him said he was very impressive obviously following the media members that follow the caps they were impressed with him uh you'd love to see it you'd love to see random guys kind of step up and uh, yeah, do this type of thing that's so when we were having these conversations about McMichael maybe possibly hopping in on the third line mm-hmm. that's where I'm like like I like I think Sprong would get the opportunity over McMichael. Yeah, I think a lot of people will, and we'll get to one of those guys that will be our main uh, step-in guy here soon. But um, so one guy I want to talk about. It's been noted that Kempney has looked pretty stellar all training camp. I mean, he's he's he quoted that it was a tough season. It was really hard physically and mentally, but I'm really happy about the work I was able to put in this summer, and I feel great right now. So he's kind of a key component if he can get his game back to what it was in that cup run in 2018. But, yeah, he is apparently feeling great. Like, I mean, you, we said it all season. He was just up and down, and there was nothing, like, spectacular out of him. He must have had a nagging injury that just he played through. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, you're still recovering from that massive knee or leg surgery, whatever it was. Yeah, that's that's my, like, only thing about that. I think, like, when players slow down like that, I mean, I know this is probably just such a cop-out reason to do this, but, like, like, I do this with Backstrom all the time. He'll go through, like, a 20-game slump, and, like, me and my dad will just look at each other and be like, he's definitely hurt. He's definitely playing hurt. You know what I mean? Like, so I think, like, maybe Kempney, that maybe that was happening with Kempney all season long. He was mm-hmm. just playing through something that was just nagging him. Guzzi kind of goes through those spurts, too. Yeah, he does. So, like, that's that's just my reasoning every time. I'm just like, nope, he's hurt. Yeah. But, I mean, I think this might save Kempney right here, This this long – off-season type thing, and then get out, getting into full training camp, <clears throat> and being able to jump right into the playoffs, which kind of leads me to this that I thought I brought up the other week, I think after we recorded. But um, kind of looking at the situation where we get this training camp before playoffs, uh, you got to think it's got to extremely help these teams that made serious moves at the deadlines compared to teams who really didn't do anything because, you know, that big thing that's always brought up at the deadline is, oh, well, this team's got – great chemistry and they don't want to really fuck with that mid-season and the trade trade deadline's what a month or a month and a half before the playoffs even start so these players I mean i.e. Covey, Dilly in our case they have to pack up move live somewhere probably out of a hotel at first 
get their families out here, worry about a bunch of shit, like learning the systems and like where they fit in this, that, and the other, which is takes a lot of work. Whereas now it's like, okay, you made a splash at the trade deadline and now you get rewarded because all those players you just got, you now get a full training camp with them. And then you're going right in the playoffs. So I, I think of us, obviously, I think of Vancouver with that Toffoli trade and a couple other things they did. But I mean, do you see this playing a role, uh, playing a successful role, I guess, for certain teams that did make splashes? Yeah, it definitely buys time. Um, and it, I mean, it, it can help with team chemistry, but my whole thing with like team chemistry is like you, you, you never really know how, when a team's chemistry is tested until shit goes wrong. Yeah. Uh, and how they face that adversity is the best way to test that chemistry through that team. So I don't want to say, I don't want to sit here and be like, yeah, Brendan Dillon and Kovalchuk are perfect matches for this team yet. Cause we, they really haven't gone through mm-hmm. some serious adversity. I mean, they did a little bit because well, the sucked. Yeah. <laughs> we were awful, but um, no, nothing like it wasn't like back against the walls type adversity that they've been through with this squad. Um, but like we've said beforehand, Kovalchuk, I mean, he's got five other Russians on the team with him. So obviously he gets, they'll get along that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Brendan Dillon just looks like a real fucking locker room guy. Veteran, like, knows what it takes, can step feel, in. Yeah, feels like him and Oshie could be best friends. They just look like they're having fun, like, almost all the time. Um, so, yeah, I think it definitely does nothing but help because they can now – I mean, it's basically an off season. Yeah, because I remember back when all this started, we didn't think there would be a playoffs. We're like, shit, what sucks for those teams, especially us, that – who might have made a big splash to get a player, and then now they don't get that player because they were only going to keep him until the end of the season, which is probably Kovalchuk, but um, can be said for a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, who other? There's some other guys out there that have done that on the other team. Uh, Patrick Marlowe. I mean, let's we'll see yeah. what over there. Because I, I actually saw that tweet today. Like it was like which which veteran do you want to see lift the cup this year? And it was saw like, that. Yeah, Kovalchuk was in one of their. Yeah, Kovalchuk, Hank. I was I was wondering who they were gonna put for us. I kind of completely forgot about him, but Hank was on there. Uh, Kovalchuk. I mean, Kovalchuk's Kovalchuk. like the only guy on our entire roster who hasn't won one. Yeah. Um, Claude Giroux was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I for, I forget. I, Patrick Marlowe was on there, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how all these new guys kind of react. I mean, they, again, like you already said multiple times, it's they had an entire offseason basically to set mm-hmm. up the playoffs. Mm-hmm, for sure. So let's get into this real quick. Let's break down the Caps lines or what we think they are. Uh, we've been seeing Todd put these together at scrimmages. They're kind of staying together. And um, so let's go. I mean, forward lines, as expected, O, Kuz, Willie, V, Backy, Osh, Hags, Eller, Covey, Panic, Dowd, and Garney. Uh, no real surprise there, like I said. But note that uh, per Tarek on Twitter, Boyd has been taking the meaningful reps as that third-line center. So there's our probable answer to Eller leaving the bubble uh, for the birth of his child there in early August. Todd basically has been saying the same thing. He said that Travis is our first go-to guy no matter the situation in the bubble. If a player were to go down, I mean, you've seen him play up on that. When Oshi missed that one day of practice, he played up on that right wing on the second line. So it looks like Travis Boyd's, uh, regardless of the situation, going to be our guy. I'm pretty hyped on that. I think he's got a lot of skill, a lot of talent, and and especially for like a depth forward at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think I honestly think he could slide in on any other role on any other team in the NHL. Um, I think this. I just think the way that our team is formatted right now, like 
there's just not really room for him. And like, we don't, you don't necessarily want him as a fourth line player. Cause well, one, we have three great fourth line grinders and Boyd can adjust his game to become a grinder, but he's, Mm -hmm. he's just not, I think, I think he's more of a skilled player. He's got good skill. Yeah. Like I, I would kind of low key like to see him maybe on the power play. Not on the Wasn't, not, didn't not he, power play one, not power play one, obviously, but like power play two, like right. without Lars. Um, who, who do you have on if depending on what they do with Vrana and Kuzi? Because I know they switched them to try to fix the power well, play. What are we looking at? Power play one, Carly O, Oshie in front of the net, backing and Kuzi, and then say the other lines got wash, got usually has what Vrana, uh, Willie, Kovalchuk, Orlov. And then, yeah, I don't see why not put him in front of the uh, – you kind of want Tom in front of the net, though. You want Tom in front of the net. You want Kovalchuk in the OV spot. Um, Orlov opposite of him. Orlov at the at the Carlson spot. Vrana somewhere where he can get a quick wrist Vrana, off. Vrana's at the Kuzi spot and Travis yeah. Boyd down low maybe. Or, maybe behind the net. Or Haglin. It's a, it's either one. Yeah, either one I guess would work. Uh, I guess we'll see. So let's get into defense. So the defense is looking like Kempney and Carlson, that Stanley Cup duo, Dilly and Orley, Siegs and Jenny, and then that fourth pair is Gudis and uh, Faye Harvey. Um, Siegs and Jenner. That actually, I kind of like that one. I kind of like that a lot. Siegenthaler and, and Jensen. Yeah, it's our third pair there, 100%. Because yeah. as much as we shit on Jenny throughout the season, he really stepped it up there at the end. Yep. Hopefully he keeps his shit going. I think it. I think it comes down to – I mean, this might be a very, very obvious answer, but it comes down to that Carlson-Kempney line because um, they were having a rough go for that entire slump. And um, Yeah, they were. Kempney kind of lost his spot for a second there, and we couldn't really find anyone to put at that spot. And that's kind of what threw everything off. We were kind of rotating defense all season long. So if Kempney can find his game back – I think that's very – it's probably the most crucial part – one of the most crucial parts to this team is to be able to solidify our defense and not have to make many changes and then get into a rhythm. Because Kempney can skate, can make smart decisions with the puck. Mm -hmm. We've seen it before. Um, But, yeah, I mean, and he's he's a great – yeah, and just the, the way he played in that cup run was just bar none. I mean, he was out. He was outstanding right there with Carlson. Yeah, he's just a great, like, little additive to Carlson. Yeah, for sure. Helps out a lot. So, yeah, there's offense and defense of what we think it's going to be like. I mean, it makes sense. It's pretty much the same lines we went over at Tarek a month ago. So, this is official. Hold on. All right. All right, so this is official, though. Our first exhibition game, it's going to be against Carolina July 29th at 4 p.m. So, we get the exhibition game. Every team gets one before the qualifiers and the round robin. So some other notable matchups are Flyers, Pens, and Flames, Oilers. But, A.B., we get Carolina right off the jump. Yeah, and I wonder what's going to happen here. I feel like we're going to get injuries before the fucking playoffs. All these, all the rivals are playing against each other. I know. Everybody's going to be dummying each other, and we might have Fogel trying to break fucking Oshie's collarbone again. Like Pittsburgh's playing Philly. I'm like, what, what are we doing here? We're just trying to kill each other before the these playoffs. These are supposed to be easy in games, but I guess not. Yeah, Calgary. Dude. Literally, Cal- the Calgary-Edmonton matchup is going to be nuts. They're going to fight every game this year. They played pretty much. Yeah. They got a, like, a brawl. Bench-clearing brawls. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we have our little thing with Carolina going right now. Um, I think it'll be a good test 
Yeah, they were they were um, tweeting at us talking shit the other day because I guess Caps followed him on Twitter and then like an hour later unfollowed him. Uh that's kind of petty. That's petty shit. <laughs> kind of um, funny though. Fuck them. But yeah, I mean they're they're they'll be a good test because we for some reason don't really match up well with them. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it could be a good first round. Just throw us in the fire and let's fucking see. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. What we were saying all season long and during that playoff uh, that playoff series is they have an aggressive forecheck and our defense slash coaching staff, for some reason, had no idea how to transition out of it or, like, adjust to it. And mm-hmm. so hopefully, hopefully they fucking did some film on that shit <laughs> and figured it out. Because, I mean, like, it's, it's not really that hard. No. To figure, figure out like what they're doing like they're doing the same thing almost every time yeah it's just but we don't have the speed to beat a heavy four check like that so it is what it is but it's a little chip and chase hockey that we somehow can't wrap our brains around but yeah it is what it is i like it though carolina first game get us right in the fire before we get into philly boston and tampa yeah that's that's why I like i th- i think it'll get our feet going quicker than playing like montreal or some bullshit yeah exactly so so, oh, well, um, and, and it'll get their like intensity up immediately too, I think. Oh yeah. 100%. It'll get us in playoff mode uh, if they want to start talking shit and running their mouths. So this is something that I've seen. There's been a lot of articles on how the caps will be killing time in the bubble. Uh, so Tarek's been doing a lot of research and some other people. Uh, so hopefully we'll be there for three months or so winning our second cup in three years. But the biggest uh, one that I have seen is that this is like a complete like Mario Kart team. Uh, apparently it played a huge role in that cup run in 2018 to relieve stress. So, so much that if you remember Kano getting a browser or a Bowser tattoo and Osh getting a Wario tattoo to represent their favorite racers in the game. So that apparently that was big during the cup run. Uh, Tark wrote a great article on this because of course he does, but he mentions like Rana bringing his PS4, McMichael bringing an Xbox and Skittles. Siegs is bringing board games and decks of cards. Oshie's making Holpe bring his guitar uh, but yeah, pretty much Rhino's just like, yeah, he does Carlson and a lot of the guys in FIFA all the time. Uh, so maybe what are we thinking here? You think we could get some Warzone squads, like inner team Warzone squads, or what if we saw some Warzone, like the Caps Warzone teams playing the Pins Warzone team tonight at seven? That would be so dope. <laughs> I would, I would Twitch, I would definitely go on Twitch and watch that shit. And I, I don't usually do Twitch, but that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, if you told me, like, Ovi, Kuzi, Vrana, and, like, Oshi were playing Warzone against, like, four dudes on Boston or something, I'd be all in. Yeah, be like, all right, let's go. Except Ovi definitely would not be playing Warzone. I don't see him as a Warzone No, they, I think they all play FIFA. All the European guys just play FIFA nonstop. Yeah, I, I would see uh, – I could see Oshi, um, Vrana. I could see him playing Warzone. Um I don't know, probably fucking McMichael, honestly. Like, all the young guys. Mm-hmm. I don't think the old guys are playing Warzone, though. I mean, that's pretty much all I'd be doing. I mean, sitting in a hotel, if you can't, when you're not in team meetings or at the pool or at the gym or at the rink, just why not sit? Because you can't leave your room and go with other people, really. Yeah. So why not just fucking rip gulags and get some dubs all day? Yeah. Um, so let's get into it. I mean, like I said, we wanted to break down the Western Conference qualifiers and the Eastern Conference qualifiers. We'll do Western Conference this week. We'll start with this, A.B., I know you saw it because we were actually speaking of on PlayStation together. But uh, Rogers Place is flooding uh, the host of the Western Conference qualifiers. I mean, per, per Chris Johnson, it's 
affecting the foyer off the entrance way to the plaza. Extent of the damage is, I believe, still kind of unclear. But, I mean, the initial, sis, the initial census is that they'll be good to go by the 28th, that first exhibition game. But crazy shit to see that thing just fucking pouring down. Yeah, I saw this on Twitter, and then my sister actually said it when I told them that news. They were like, is this, like, a fucking sign that they probably shouldn't play? And I was just like, probably, but I don't fucking care. Like I'm, I'm too selfish for that shit. Like I, like, we're we're too close at this point. Like I, yeah. they can't, they can't shut this shit down. Especially since it's in, like, it's in Canada. There's not many like, like this has nothing to do with COVID. Yeah, it's you just they mean? got a bad flood. <laughs> yeah. Like they were like, I think it's just, they were like, I think it's a sign that they probably shouldn't be playing. And I was just like, fuck off. Like, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. We're playing. Yeah. We just read the COVID stat at the top of the show and two players have it. So let's break these down. So what we'll do is I'll read some things. I'll read some quick facts about each team, go over the season series. And what we'll each do is um, we'll pick the team we think is going to win. We'll pick in how many games and why. So we'll start Oilers Hawks, uh, the five versus 12 matchup in the West. We'll start with the Oilers, obviously led by McJesus and dry And the problem is that that's all they kind of really have. I mean, if they're going to go anywhere, they're going to have to carry that team, but we won't look past the qualifying round right now. No Mike Green, as we discussed last week. They'll be missing him on the blue line. Uh, after the two stars we mentioned, it's basically just like Nugent Hopkins, Cassian, and Clefbaum. Maybe James Neal, if he actually fucking does anything productive for once. Uh, Mike Smith and Kos- Koskikin and Nett. Looking at the Hawks, on the other hand, obviously a veteran-laden team that likes to Patty Kane, Taze, Keith, Seabrook, Crawford, you name it. They've been there and they've won it before. And then plus two with this break, they're getting Shaw and DeHaan back from injury. So looking at the series, season series, Chicago won two to three meetings. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's go, A.B. I'll start with you on this one. Who do you have winning and how many games and why? What's going to be the big difference makers here? All right, so we'll, we'll break this down into I'll, – I'll just, I'm just going to break it down. All right, so we got, we got McDavid versus Kane. Uh-huh. Um, I think McDavid – I mean, Patrick Kane is Patrick Kane, and he has he's he's, the cl- he's probably the clutchest player in the NHL when it comes to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, he always is he's always coming to perform. Uh, top five player in the league, a thousand percent. But I mean, after dude McDavid, like he he gets he gets all these flashy goals, but he's. Not he's he's just beating you wide and then crashing the net like we, mm-hmm, we were talking mm-hmm. about that he's on the uh, on the documentary in the he, crease and tucking it up under the bar. Yeah, um, he takes. I think Connor McDavid kind of takes over games more than Patrick Kane does. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And there's also another player. Uh, we got Leon Drysaitel versus Jonathan Taze. I'm taking Drysaitel over Taze every single time. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. At this point in their careers. Yeah, Jonathan Taze. I mean. Again, another possible future Hall of Famer, great leader. Um, he's and he can he shows up in the playoffs too. I mean, he's just there. He's he's what do they call him? Captain? I don't, Mister Captain? I don't fucking Mr. know. Captain? I don't. Yeah, the hell if I know. But I mean, yeah, like going back to that three-time Stanley Cup winner, along with yeah. Patty Kane and Duncan Keith and Corey Crawford, and that's I mean, it's only a five-game series. We got to remember that, which is kind of like I can see this rested older veteran-led Hawks team kind of make this interesting. I mean, I can see him making it interesting. I just think in five – if you're giving me five games, I'm picking McDavid every time. Yeah. I think especially against the Blackhawks where I think – I don't think 
on forward, uh, forward wise, I don't think either of these teams are that deep. Um, I think if either of them are, I think if I had to choose one, I would almost say Edmonton is a little deeper with Nugent Hopkins on that second line center. Um, I mean, kind of. I think they're, I think they're yeah. better. I think they have a better coach in Dave yeah. Tippett. Yeah. Um, it also comes down to goaltending, which I think the Blackhawks have better goaltending with mm-hmm. Robin Lehner and. Well, Lehner's uh, in Vegas now. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well, who's They're looking who, at Crawford? Oh, yeah, Isn't it Subban Crawford? and Crawford. Yeah. So Crawford's. Depends it's how Crawford plays. Yeah, it depends on how Crawford plays, which, I mean, we've, shown, we've seen him show up. But I just, I've got, I think I've got Edmonton in, in four here. I've got Edmonton in five. I'll take that because I think Kane and them are just too good to not. I mean, and they got Andrew Shaw back in Chicago, Seabrook, all of them. I think they'll win at least two games out of there. Yeah, uh, I mean, they did. They did get back to the original crew. Um, I, don't, yeah, I, I think don't know. seniority will help them prevail at least twice in this neutral zone rink or neutral based rink, all that shit. But that's what I got. So you got, you got, you got. Connor McDavid in four. I got him in five. So let's move on. Six versus 11, Preds, Yotes. Uh, split the series 1-1. Goalie trouble here in Nashville. As we had Soros, had a much better season than Rene. So interesting to see who comes out of this as the starter. Uh, obviously, Roman Yossi, Norris candidate, led the way for them. And while they didn't really put up – neither of these guys put up more than 50 points. They still have superstars in the likes of Forsberg and Duchesne and also remembering, you know, Ellis and Johansson and how this team was – a bubble team to even get in if we remember right there at the end so yeah. there's there's kind of nashville they're kind of, they've kind of dropped off since they were they rose to prominence there a couple of years back the yotes on the other hand maybe back to the point we made earlier in the show about the teams that made big splashes another question for them too while it's not as tough because they both played well is do they start kemper or ranta like you said both good goalies both played well all season. Whereas Pecorine, we know who he is, but he didn't have that great of a season. But looking at their team, they got back Garland and uh, Chitram from injury thanks to that break. And, you know, the, to get a really good camp in with guys like Taylor Hall, Hot Dog Phil, Ekman Larson, Schmaltz, and the list goes on. And, you know, reminder that they're also wearing their Kachina jerseys throughout the playoffs. So let's see. Who do you got? I mean, which team do you got? Break it down and in how many games? All right. So for this – this is probably not going to sound good for because the blog we just posted, uh, right. we we put out the um, our Stanley Cup long shot winners, I guess. Yeah, and I had Predators as mine. That's right, at like plus four thousand, maybe four thousand. I thought yeah. was the best value. Um, I'll explain that pick real quick. Um, I'm not saying that they, I, I in no way, shape, or form was I saying I think they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. I just thought that that was the best, the the best value and like the and the best shot to win the Stanley Cup if Pekka Rene finds his game. Yeah, because I think their their roster is loaded. They just can't figure it out for some reason. But if they find it out, if they figure it out, I think they could go on a run and win the cup. Now, after saying that, <laughs> I think I got the Coyotes in the series. I'm taking the Oats in five. I'm taking the Oats. Um, Dude, their lineup is unreal. Yeah, they got – they have two great wingers, which, like, is awesome. But, like, what they really need is centers. And 
they I don't, yeah I you're, you're I, mean, they're, they're, there. I mean you're looking at taylor hall dvorak and probably garland on the first line soderberg schmaltz kessel on the second kraus Derek stepan clayton keller on the third then you got kind of whoever on the fourth line but you got oel demers chitrin Golgoski, they they got a Chalmerson, they got a good decor. They have a good decor. They have, I think they have the better goaltending. Um, they have two elite scores in Taylor Hall and Kessel. Yeah. Uh, if, if their centers can hone down uh, Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane, then I think they, I think they win this series. And I kind of, I low key think they might win it quickly. Uh, I, I'm not saying three zero. But I might go four again here. Four for the Oaks. Um, yeah, because I think Derek Stepan is one of the more underrated players in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, he, we had to deal with him for how many years in New York? Yeah, exactly. And he, he can shut down centers uh, if he wants to. He can come up clutch in big games. I mean, uh, we all remember that goddamn game seven overtime goal. Fuck. Right off the face off, off a fucking rebound that he wasn't even, like, close to the net, but he he, he buried it. And it was in a game where – it felt like we dominated the series the entire the entire yeah. way through. I, that was a that was probably the most heartbreaking. The game third the third lost. jerseys that yeah. we wore in New York. Yeah, yeah, that was probably the most heartbreaking game seven Caps loss that I had seen in a. Like, I remember that was, one because we were so close. Yeah. Uh, well, we weren't even close to a cup, but we were close. Like we we should have beat that team. We should have beat that team. We, we should have beat that been. team like a million different ways. But <sighs> anyway, uh, back to Derek Stepan on the Yotes. Like he's. He can shut down. I think he's good enough to be able to shut down uh, Matthew Shane or Ryan Johansson, whoever they match him up against. I mean, it's going to be a tough task because both those players are unreal. Um, and then, like, you went through their the, uh, their defense. Their defense is pretty low-key stacked. Yeah, it's not bad. The only one I Aaron didn't really recognize was um, Ilya Labushkin. It's, dude, it's, I would say – I would pick their back six almost over the caps. Yeah, with – OEL and Demers. I mean, Chalmerson's, like I said, their third on their third core. Yeah, Chalmerson would be like, he, yeah, he would be our second line. He would be a second line defense for us. No, like, not even a question, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going Yotes in four. All right, I'm taking them in five, but we're both on the same, we're both on the same wavelength here. I like it. So let's get into the next one. All right, next up, the 7-10 matchup, Canucks versus Mini. Uh, the Wild won 2-3 versus Vancouver this season, starting with Vancouver here. I love this team. I love their lineup. I love the moves they made. I mean, JT Miller, Peter Pedersen, Horvat, the list goes on. They were hot to start. They did finish 4-5-1 in their last 10, but uh, this restart will wipe that wrongdoing clean, I think, and obviously Stanley Cup champion Jay Beagle. Let me get to the Wild real quick, AB, and then I'll make my pick first. So the Wild, on the other hand, finished 7-3 in their last 10. But a team that's just kind of always around but never uh, really there, if that makes sense. I think they're a boring-ass team with boring-ass players. So I'll leave it at that. I've got the Nucks in three, a clean sweep, and I think it'll be uh, too easy for that lineup of studs. I mean, that top six as well as that blue line. you got Marsham. He's a stud goalie. The Wild, they do have Dubinick, but I just can't see how Minnesota can come out of this series, um, let alone win a game. Because I'm looking at a, like lines of Tanner Pearson, Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, Toffoli, Pedersen, JT Miller – like we said, Jay Beagle, fucking legend in the defense of Edler, Myers, Hughes, Tanev, you know. So I'll let you take it from there, but I got the Nucks in a clean sweep, and I'm officially standing myself as a Nucks fan. They're my favorite team in the West, second favorite team in the league now. Um, yeah, so who's – can you go through the – do you have any Minnesota play, uh, the roster for them up right now? 
Yeah, I mean, but you're looking at a first line of what looks like Jordan Greenway, Eric Stahl, and Kevin Fiala. And then from there, I mean, what do you got besides Feligno and Parise and Zuccarello and Galchenyuk? Uh, Zuccarello. Well, uh, Zuccarello is probably first. I would say Zuccarello, Parise, Galchenyuk might be a first line right there. Mm-hmm. Miko Koivu uh, still. Donato. Got, still got Miko Koivu. Still got Eric Stahl who can, who can perform. Got Ryan Donato. Ryan Hartman's. He can, he can battle. He can definitely battle yeah. with you. Um, Suter. It's not – again, it's not the prettiest roster. It's just boring. Seen, but I do think they play tough. I think they will. I don't think it will be a sweep. I don't like betting on sweeps. Um, so, I, I do – I agree. I, I would – I'm going to go with Vancouver here probably in four. Again, I keep, I keep picking four. Yeah. Um, but I got Vancouver in four here. I think um, they are just better on paper. Um, but again, I think the wild kind of started to figure some things out mm-hmm. towards the end there. I mean, they got Matt Dumbo on the back end with Ryan Suter, who's pretty solid. Jared Spurgeon's really good. They uh, figured it out after they just dumped, uh, what's his name to Pittsburgh? Uh, why Zucker. am I having a brain fart? That's right. Zucker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I think they'll, they'll get one win out of this, um, but I, I, I do think Vancouver is just a better team here. Um, and they're, they're going to be good for a while. I think so, too. I'm really liking how they're building. And especially if somehow Hopi goes there. Yeah, I got Canucks in four. All right, yeah. Canucks in four. I took Canucks in three. So, <clears throat> last one, Jets-Flames, 8-9 matchup. Uh, the only the – only, uh, the Jets won the only game. Sorry, fucking stuttering here. The Jets won the only meeting of the season way back in October. Uh, so we'll start with Winnipeg. Patrick Laine, as deemed on this podcast, still a baby back bitch. Uh, they'll be getting the test two and Brian Little back from injury. Uh, they've got the probable Vesna winner in Hellebuck and two 73-point scorers in Shifley and Kyle Connor. If, we don't, if you don't remember, four of their six defensemen went down in Hellebuck. It's pretty much just stolen a season for them. Um, go ahead. Um, I, I mean, they don't – Winnipeg just doesn't have any defense, right? No, none. That's why Tyler Buck's probably going to win Vesna because he's just won them games with no defense. Yeah, so I got the Flames here. I do have this in five. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've, but I've got the Flames in five here. I just think, uh, I think their their first line is pretty on like so much speed on that first line. I think they're so deeper. good. Well, maybe because Fat Boy Johnny G apparently from the rumors we've heard is showing up to Flames camp a little out of shape. That doesn't shock me at all. I've seen he's quite out of shape showing up to the Calgary camp. But I, th- I think he'll be fine. Um, that that first line is just unreal with Sean uh, Sean Monahan there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're deeper uh, forward wise. I even though mm-hmm. Winnipeg does have the big, the bigger superstars on their side, mm-hmm. but I don't think they have the third and fourth liners. No. And, and Calgary too, getting Hannafin, Noah Hannafin back from injury that yeah. he was out. Um, yeah, and they have better defense. Obviously we're going to go through that. Yeah. I mean, it's, ah. but it's a goaltending question mark there. It's yeah, a, that Riddich, that Riddich guy or Cam Talbot. Definitely not. It can't be Cam Talbot. <laughs> <laughs> then it's Riddich or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, that's tough. I think it's going five either way. Five years away, I'll take it. I mean, um, the Flames for just some reason just aren't the Flames of two years ago. It but. depends. It I think it all it it depends on how Hellebuck plays, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think he steals him a series. He could. I I'm, guess he I'm, could. I'm, I, he could steal a five-game series. I guess he I'm, could, yeah. Yep, I'm switching my pick. I'm going Winnipeg in five strictly because of Hellebuck. All right, I'll stick Flames in five just so we have something different on that one. So I got Flames in five. I got Oilers in five. I had Yotes, I think, in five. And then I had Vancouver in three. Uh, I got Vancouver four. Yotes four. Um, Oilers in four. Uh, Winnipeg in five. Boom. There it is. So that's uh, that's what we got for the Western Conference and our picks. Uh, next week we'll do the Eastern Conference and we'll take a pretty in- we'll take a little in depth look at the Caps too. I mean, Stack Guy Blake. I don't know if you saw his blog. He said four numbers to keep in mind as the Caps come back from this break. We'll break that blog down next week and go into some Eastern stuff. All right, so that's all we got. Like we said, Western Conference breakdown this week. Eastern Conference breakdown next week. The AB. That's all I got because we are off to New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to be on the lake just chilling all week and drinking. All right. Peace out, everybody. Peace out, boys.